smell something? Put that cookie down! Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. We're filmmakers, we're fans, and we're flaying bodies and severing limbs today. My two co-hosts, my two usual co-hosts, Chanster and Josh, have abandoned me. Uh, so I have murdered them in, in some ultra-violent fashion with a samurai sword or something and replaced them with two amazing guests. We have Sebastian James Bregoglio. Yeah, you kind of got it. That's pretty close. <laughs> it's uh, uh, Bregoglio. It's not Bregoglio. Bregoglio. <laughs> From our sister podcast, Second Take, the one yep. we're trying to beat in the ratings no, no, and we have yet to beat. <laughs> we, are a, we are a lovely, functional film team. Yeah. You cover the nitty-gritty, we cover the other stuff. It's, it works. Okay. Well, you guys do like, you look at like, you focus in on one movie per yes. episode, which is sort of a very specific kind of a thing. And that second take, it's available on our network. And we also have Zane. I'm back. He's back. I'm after better than a, ever. A, a long stint of not having Zane. There was a period where Zane like guested on like, hundred times because time. because one or the other was away at every every opportunity. But we're talking about violence in cinema this week. I thought it would be a fun topic, especially considering a movie I saw, which we'll talk about now. Because we always start by asking, "What have you been watching?" And Sebastian, what have you been watching this oh, week? I'm going first. Okay, so I don't know exactly whether you just started film or TV. So Both. I did neither and went for a YouTube series, <laughs> um, which is a channel called Crypt TV. So it's an anthology series of horror movies, well, horror kind of TV-esque I shows. I I've heard of this yeah. one. So they've into a couple of seasons, depending on which show that you're watching. And the two I wanted to really focus on was the uh, Sunny Family Cult, which is, uh, I think it's in up to three seasons now of being complete from memory. Um, and it's about a group of people that are the Sunny Family, which is not, real, not a real family, obviously, but even in the context of the show, also not a real family. It's just the name <laughs> of the cult. And it's about them grabbing people off the street, bringing them into their house, tying them up and murdering them in front of each other um, as like a sacrifice. And it's, oh, my God. Yeah, and it's really interesting. And, Crit TV. Okay, yeah. let's watch this. And the other one is um, it's called The Looksy, and it's kind of like Crypt TV's, I guess, their version of like the Slender Man character. Oh, yeah. It's a rather well-dressed gentleman in a suit, but he doesn't have eyes, but he does have what I can best describe as like the mouth of a great white shark. Oh. And his whole thing is he leaves this cryptic poem for people um, demanding them to give something up. So he finds like, bad example, there's a guy that's gluttonous and he keeps eating. And he says, this person needs to give something up or the looks he will take something. And if the person isn't able to immediately remedy the situation, they are <laughs> brutally murdered. It's Most of it's on screen. Like This is actually quite a gory show. And the looks he will take a piece of them. So he might like remove the hand. So he's like, go cold turkey immediately this second or you're fucked. Yes. <laughs> and it can be dark stuff like a mother who hasn't let, or a father, sorry, that hasn't let go of like his dead daughter. Like it's, it can be like harsh things like that where Jesus. the person will have the photo. And if he hasn't relinquished the photo, the looks he's taking his teeth and I'm murdering him as well. It seems wildly unfair, but fascinating. It is like there are rules, but it's also, yeah, he's not a nice guy. But yeah, the two, what they're doing is they've got like 20 or so different uh, creatures like the Luxy. The Luxy is just one of their more focused Do they show up in like various different ones? Well, that's what they're it's doing. It's like a connected universe. In the Sunny Family Cult in their last season finale, one of the cultists went off and wanted to try and like tap into the supernatural. And he has this book, which I'm just going to refer to as the, ne the Necronomicon because it's just some old skin covered book. And he's trying to get himself martyred and effectively turn into one of these creatures. And in that book uh -huh. are a bunch of these monsters from the rest of their series. That's cool. So the way it was pitched to me is it's kind of like if the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a YouTube channel and was horror because they're here's the main story, here's the other one, 
and let's try and weave them together. That's kind of cool. I actually have to check this out. Crypt TV. We'll put a link on the show notes as well. It's just on YouTube. Yeah, just on YouTube, completely okay. free, and it's really well done. Like occasionally there'll be like the you know a little off-screen death because they just couldn't get it done, but yeah. most of the time it just happens, and it's at the least terrifying. Oh, cool. I've never heard. I yeah. I don't think there's another horror one that I had heard of, but it's not that one. So I will I'll definitely have to check that out. Zane, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I've been watching the second season of Big Mouth. And the first season of The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, my God. I've been fucking, uh, like, skipping ahead to me. (laughs) I've been watching The Haunting of Hill House as well. Legit, it's a masterpiece for me. Is it spoopy? so good. It's more of a drama than it is a horror, but it works the horror in, like, that's what it is. It's like uh, someone described it and it's really great. It's goth, this is us. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a really accurate description. But I, I finished episode six and I had to actually sit with it, like, I've been watching it in like bits and pieces because it is fucking great, but it's heavy too. Uh, I watched, I think I watched the first six episodes back to back. Oh, wow. Um, Episode six is like, oh, that is one of the. Really? I'm not obsessed with it. It's fine. And and it's it's, it's a very well-made TV show and it's very well-scripted and well-acted, but it just hasn't caught me. Um, I I think the, the pacing is weird. It's on Netflix. Is this the one that they've also, they were, in part of their promotional material, they were showing that there's like ghosts hidden in so many frames and yeah, stuff? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. ghosts in the background of like every, just about every other shot. I once caught there's like these creepy hands underneath the piano at one point yeah. and I just caught it. I'm like, oh shit. Does it feel gimmicky in that way? Or no, is no, it no, kind because of, it's because he it's doesn't. Never the, it's never the focus. They never yeah. draw attention to it. It's just there for if you're watching it again and giving it a view. But like episode six is one of the best things I've ever seen because they basic because what it is is, is like it fluctuates between the past and present there's like the family when they're in the house and all this bad shit went down and then the present where they're dealing with the aftermath and they've all got like emotional and mental health issues kind of that they're struggling through and episode six brings the past and the present really close together because it's like two storms and basically every sequence in the present is done in like a single continuous take and every sequence in the past is done in a single continuous take and it's insane it's like i was watching i was going how the fuck did they pull this off? They've actually put a little behind the scenes video on how they did mm. it. And it's nuts. They had the cue lighting things. They weeks mm. and weeks and weeks of prep. It's like, the I love it. I love it. It's yeah. And you can tell that it is very well made, very well thought out. All the performances are great. It's just, right. I haven't, I haven't clicked in, I haven't clicked into it. And I don't, I think that's just me that, you know, I'm going to keep yeah. watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also the episode, like episode six is technically great, but I thought episode five before it, the bent neck lady. Yes. Yeah. That, that was so <laughs> tough. Like it was really good, but really emotional. Uh, what else have you watched? Uh, so the second season of Big oh, Mouth. Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Ah, yes. Is, I'm I'm a little bit through season one at the moment. Season two, I think they re- they find their voice. Season okay, one, my cool. my problem was that they kept fluctuating between are you really like a for going for a juvenile audience with like flashes of adult humor, or are you going for this ridiculous adult humor through children? And I think they've really lent into the second one yeah. in their second season. Yeah, I can feel which- it. Yeah, every now and then, like, season <clears throat> one will have, like, a moment where I'm like, uh, like, I get, but it doesn't, it's not as funny as, like, a joke that means yeah. a little more well, here. <clears throat> in the first one, I had, a, it made me feel quite uncomfortable. <laughs> I think when, no, that's the point. <laughs> well, no, it, when they were kind of uh, juxtaposing the the dick jokes, but with little girls. And yeah, the, yeah. it wasn't, you weren't sure whether the little girls were aware of what was happening. And so it felt a little 
unbalanced and weird there. Yeah. In the second season, yes, the little girls are just as much a part of the story as the as the boys. And so it is they've yeah. really lent into that, like, okay, all these kids are weirdos and they know that they're weirdos and yeah. they're just trying to get through. I watched the puberty. episode where Jay got his pillow pregnant. <laughs> oh God, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's going with his bath mat and you're just like, oh God. It's yeah, crazy. just wait for the uh, second season where it gets. Uh, he might be bisexual. Jay, mm. really? And he has. Uh, he finds a, a a lovely couch cushion boyfriend. <laughs> He's the one that's played by Jason Manzuka. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Uh, that's really cool. Well, I've been watching several things. Um, I watched a movie called Bad Times at the El Royale. How do you find I it? Fucking loved it. Good. I loved it so much. People can like look. It's a little long. Yes. But I, there was no point at which I was bored, so I didn't mind if it ran a little over Wait. as opposed to, like, you know, Halloween by Rob Zombie, which is, like, two unnecessary hours. So you said this movie was more than my standard of 90 minutes because I have a problem. Way though. more. It's, oh, like, 140-something no. minutes Oh, so, okay. So it's on the long side, but you didn't feel more it? than two hours, but I never felt bored. I mean, it's an ensemble thing, so there's a lot of stories going on at any one time. I think it's, like, it's like a modern Hitchcock movie. It's really fun. Uh, there's some standout performances. There's a, a chick named Cynthia Evero, um, who she's going to show up next month in like uh, Widows, a movie called Widows. She's she's like this singer who kind of gets wrapped up in all these like crime shit going on at the hotel. She's brilliant. And then there's this kid who I can't remember his name, but he's Miles. He's like the bellhop of the hotel. And he starts out in like this comedic thing, but as it goes on, he just like, He's such a fucking great actor wherever he came from. It's amazing. I had to write a preview piece on this film for one of the magazines. And it was really, really interesting. Did you watch it? I watched like half of it because <laughs> I had to like piece it together. I was up at like four in the morning watching an online one. Oh my like God. Like a legal one. But like, a legal, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like just screen it. And it was really good, but I just had to smash out that and a few other things. Yeah, so I never got yeah. back to it, but I was it's, really enjoying it too. It's so much fun. And it's very rare that I can be watching a movie and I'm not expecting, and even in a good, even in really great movies, you're expecting this beat and that beat to happen. And El Royale threw me for a loop several times and I I love that because it, it makes me forget that I'm watching that I'm a filmmaker that I know these things and I do these things outside of it when I'm just sort of there in the moment I love that so it's easily like in my top five of the year at the moment um uh we 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 watched we had a movie night chance to josh and i we watched suspiria the original yeah 1977 just rewatched that as well i think it, <laughs> What do you think of that movie? Because I have trouble with okay, it. Okay, it looks pretty. Let's just get that out of the Thank uh, you. Yes. It's yep. a very beautiful film. Um, some not, of it's really dumb. Some of it is very dumb. Um, some of it just doesn't make sense. When there's the razor blade trying to open the door, I'm like, just lift it up. Like, you'll open the door if you just flick it up. Like <laughs> When you zoom in on the poor woman that gets caught in all the barbed wire and realises it's, it's just, not barbed it's, wire. It's wire. Yeah. It's not barbed. Yep. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, that the dog scene where the dog kills the blind man, in yeah. the middle of the yeah. um, like whatever market, not market yeah, square, yeah, but whatever the, the square. Yeah. Um. Firstly, ah. Uh, secondly, it does this thing where it, like we see it like rip actual meat off him and start chewing it yeah, up, and I was like, yeah. wow, this film is really going for it. Like, I mean, the intro told me that in advance. Yeah, the first kill is always my favorite because it's so like it's so over designed with all the, the house that they're in and the glass and the blood mm. that looks like paint. 
Uh, I'm very interested in the remake, though. Very, very interested. Well, I was actually, uh, before we recorded, I was just looking it up. and You're not going to like it? It's like nearly three hours long. Well, no, that's not <laughs> 90 minutes. I'd have to watch it in thirds. <laughs> um, no, I was looking at it, and it's not got the greatest rating on IMDb. It's a 6.6, but, but horror movies tend to not oh, but have not even ratings. that. It's very, from what I understand, it's very divisive. People either love, it's like, did you ever watch the movie Mother from last year? No, I never caught it. Yeah. Uh, it that's one of the movies, you're either going to think it's one of the best things you've ever seen or you're going to absolutely hate it and think it's the worst thing, it's a piece of trash and everyone who likes it is dumb. I'm part of the former group. I think it's a masterpiece. And so I feel like I'm going to click with Suspiria, but I know Suspiria from what I've been told, it's just very polarizing. People either think it's really great or they hate it. Well, looking at the trailer as well, it like, I don't feel like, I mean, unless oh, they surprise me in the actual film, they haven't gone for like that cool art style they had in the original. Like I didn't see many. No, no. It's, yeah. But I think that's a, that's to its credit because you can't really imitate a movie that's that iconic mm. in terms of how it's influenced other horror filmmakers. They've gone for like a stark color palette. They're going for very. It looks like Black Swan. Yeah. Except yeah, yeah. maybe a little bit more colorful than that to be fair, but it looks yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm keen to see it though. But um, and anyway, I watched, uh, and then we watched uh, two two other Netflix movies. One called Hold the Dark by Jeremy Saulnier, who did a movie called Green Room. Um, he does these ultra violent thrillery kind of things. Is what he's mostly known for. Hold the Dark is really good. It's sort of the winter revenanty kind of setting, and it's a guy is hunting down like a, a a wolf that killed a child or something like that. And it's good. I don't think it's Jeremy Saulnier's best, but it's very. It gets brutal. Like he just there's like a shootout scene that just goes on for these really intense moments. It's very brutal. It's on Netflix. It's well worth a watch. Uh, And then I watched Apostle from the director of The Raid. And this movie is nuts. It's like, it's uh, Dan Stevens who plays uh, from Legion. Did you ever watch Legion, the TV show? I know the guy, but yeah. Yeah. So he basically is like a, someone tasked to go and find a kidnapped girl in a cult on an island. But then there's like a, a, a wood spirit and it gets, and the cult like starts massacring people and it gets so violent and supernatural and fantastical. Uh, I really liked it. I don't think, again, I don't think it's as good as the raid, but very interesting, very violent, very, very violent. Um, uh, the haunting of Hill house. I said, and then I watched a movie called the house that Jack built by Lars von Trier. It's Lars von Trier's latest. He's the guy who did the movie called antichrist. If you've heard of that one, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dancer in the dark. Um, the house that Jack built supposedly got a six-minute standing ovation uh, at Cannes or something when this played. What movie didn't? I know, right? Uh, but I fucking hated this movie. It's very violent. Oh, there's a, there's a woman who gets her breast cut off by Matt Dillon. Is, is the guy named? Sorry, yeah. Antichrist. That's the one with. Uh, genital mutilation. That's the one. The, what's his name? Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Thank you. Zane always threatens me with this one um, <laughs> to make me watch it in whenever I ask him to watch a bad movie. And so, oh, this, so you didn't like Antichrist? Oh, it's was not it just a gross? bad movie. It's just a really violent movie. Uh, you should watch the house that Jack built because it's. I, I don't even think it's a very good movie because a bunch <laughs> of it is just like it's violence where, and we'll go into it in more detail in the main topic, but it's violence where it's just trying to prove how violent it is except that being said i've seen more violent stuff than anything in the house that jack built but it really wants to let you know just how violent it is because basically it's matt Dillon is a serial killer and he just kills mostly women in sadistic ways and then uh he meets virgil the poet who then takes him down on a trip through hell including some gopro footage through some caverns and some really dodgy cgi where they're floating down in bubbles and then 
and it's it's just bad. I really hated this movie and I don't think it's a well-made movie either. I don't think it's a well-performed movie. That's the thing is that like I can appreciate, I'm like, okay, if I don't like the narrative, that's usually the last thing I care about. And, but it's just, it's bad. Like it's really bad. And it's him trying to, I know it, it it's, uh, it's very masturbatory effort from Lars von Trier and even Considering the rest of Lars von Trier's oeuvre, it's probably his most masturbatory. It's very I mean, unpleasant. That's, that's his thing though, right? But this is like that <laughs> doubled. There is a point in the movie at which, because there's this voiceover conversation between Matt Dillon and Virgil the Poet and they're talking about where he's recounting these stories and and then there's a part where they go into the, a discussion, this voiceover part about the power of art and in it he then shows a highlights reel of all of his previous movies. Oh, good. You're just like, this is the most self-indulgent thing he could possibly do. And then like about a third of the movie is either looped shots that you've already seen or like still digital images of like famous works of art. So, and it goes for two and a half hours, two hours, 35 minutes. Well, that does not pass my 90 minute no, test. Yeah. And it is just torturous and I hated it and I didn't see any value in this. And it's not like a, I didn't connect with it. Like something like Mandy. I didn't connect with it, but I can get exactly mm. why it's as good as it is. This one I just watched and like it's people want to watch it to they want to use it as a way to prove how like edgy they are. But yeah, it was ultra violent for no real reason. Anyway, violence on, on cinema. Now I thought we'd go a little bit of a history in violence. I was kind of looking up and it's a bit weird because it depends on what you mean by violence, yeah, I guess. I struggle I, I kind of struggled when trying to like Lord research. of the Rings is technically very violent, but it's mm. not like kill bill kind of violent. Uh, but I was trying to do like a little bit of research. Even Kill Bill isn't violent. Not even that violent, but there's a lot more blood. Whereas there's, I, what it is, is it's, it, and I believe it's an American ratings thing, is that people can die just as long as there's not like an excessive amount of blood mm. from them dying. Yeah, well, that, that's how, that's how uh, all the Marvel movies get away with their PG rating. Yeah, with like giant, like body counts that just mm. number in the thousands. Uh, but early on, it was actually really taboo to show someone getting murdered on screen mm. murders always happened off screen or they were implied or done in titles um famously in in there's a movie called m uh directed by fritz lang who did metropolis this old sci-fi one he's a very influential director and it was the first one to show he had to murder a girl on in in the film and so what happened is the girl kind of goes away and then the guy goes and you see this shadow of him kind of stalking her and then they cut to like the child's ball rolling along the ground, oh, yeah. which is now like the total cliche, but it was invented for that movie, which I thought was really kind of interesting. And I, that's how they usually dealt with it. I thought back to, was it, can we say this, 12 Little Indians, the Agatha Christie? Yes, yes. There's, there's a worse title for that yes. one. <laughs> oh, it was, does it also go by And Then There Were None? Or And Then There Were None is yeah. the, the most common title anyway. But yeah, like so many murders in that film, but you know, the lights go out, people, it comes back on and there's, oh, there's a body. So, yeah. yeah, and there's not a lot of blood considering. No, yeah. You should actually watch, if you like that story, because I read the book and I really love the book and there's a, they did a BBC, did a three episode mini series mm. of it and basically like half the cast of Game of Thrones are in it. The guy who plays the King Tywin Lannister, he's like the judge. He shows up a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause he's like a he's like British actor, what do you call it? A national treasure, <laughs> along with like the duty dangers of the world. But um in 1925 is a really important year because there's a movie called Battleship Potemkin, which if anyone's ever done film school, it's the one they will always show you because it's it influ it like basically was sort of like the peak of montage editing where you show unrelated 
clips and the audience kind of stitches the meaning between them. And also there's the, the Odessa step sequence, which is, I have actually seen, it's really good sequence. Um, it was basically like a propaganda film for like the Soviet union, I believe. Mm. And, um, but there's this sequence, of these soldiers marching down steps, just slaughtering people. And there's like a woman who gets eye blown out. And there's the, the famous thing with like the baby carriage going down the stairs and, and all that kind of stuff, which they replicated for the untouchables. The one with De Niro or, yep. uh, yeah, De Niro in it. I think. Also one of the Naked Gun films. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was sort of in 1925. It was like, oh, God, you're doing this. Uh, film noir then kind of came in and it was very dark and violent. It was always dealing with murders and, and the underworld. But the, the thing was is it, all, it was all filmed with shadows. So they're able to hide a lot of the gore. People were shot, but then they didn't really, you didn't really see a lot of the gore. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, you had something like Psycho in 1960, which was pretty shocking. But even then, there's no actual like penetration of of the knife into skin. There's only one shot where the knife is actually making contact, um, and the blood was chocolate sauce running down the sink. But uh, from what I've looked up, and I haven't actually seen this movie, I own it, but I haven't watched it. Um, is the Wild Bunch. And it was the first one to show like really quote unquote elegant violence. The violence that we kind of know now in a lot of cinema where it's style or not stylized, but somewhere between stylized and brutal. Mm. And uh, as opposed to all previous Westerns where everyone just kind of like blood and pain weren't really centered when, you know, you've got John Wayne slaughtering a bunch of native Americans and they're all just like, Oh, they grab their chest and they fall down. Oh, well they were, they were the, the robots or aliens of, that day they were yeah. the other yeah so they were yeah. okay to but then even and, even in mass. like the the town showdown where the the white hat and the black hat and they shoot each other no one actually like you never saw like a blood burst yeah, yeah. from it because it was all just like never oh, focused on the pain. bullets didn't seem to hurt they just killed you uh art film and euro influences came in uh late 60s you've got kubrick with a clockwork orange is a really big sort of mm-hmm. milestone there that was that really focused on violence really focused on violence got banned in several countries because of it and that was in 1971 um but then the 70s because there was this like disillusionment it led to like a huge mainstream push for violence and this is when hollywood was like doing a lot of really art films but with hollywood money which is kind of weird uh especially in horror blood was king you have the exorcist uh you have in the independent film, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is one of my favorite, is my favorite horror movie of all time. The original 1974. Uh, in Italy, you had like the Giallo. We were talking about Suspiria mm. before. You know, there's just this very almost like super ultra stylized paint like blood. Uh, and then Hollywood sort of, it was weird that European was doing like the stylized thing. And then Hollywood was more about the realism with like the dirty Harry's of the world and everything like that. Uh, then we got into the eighties with very cartoonish violence you know, the, the Schwarzenegger action picks, everything's over the top and big. And if they're blood, it, they're bloodied up, but they're not like pouring blood. And there's very rarely a visible wound. Yes. There's, yeah, they're yeah, yeah, covered yeah. in red, yeah. red smear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the 90s was weirdly sanitized for violence. I, I wonder if it was like an, uh, a reaction to like the over the topness of the 80s. Although comedic violence became big, like Tarantino and Pulp Fiction especially is sort of a big one. You saw it in like a lot of indie world. Um, and then basically like 2000s indie film was where it's at while Hollywood kind of continues to send some more and more gore. It's more violent but less gory, which is sort of this weird um, dichotomy. Is dichotomy the right word for that? Yes. Yes. Uh, a weird dichotomy. Um, horror kind of fluctuates. I think Deadpool bucked the trend recently 
And everyone's like, oh, R-rated movies can sell money. And so then you got Wolverine and then you got... They uh, sure can sell money. <laughs> uh, TV's always been harder to show gore in, owing to they had network ratings and then a group called Standards and Practices, which they basically have to run everything through swear words. Can you say this about someone? Uh, and so they really couldn't be violent. They could only maybe occasionally talk about it past a certain time. So that's how you get like Law and Order SVU. Uh, cable TV opened up the doors to that, specifically Thank HBO. <laughs> and then they got Netflix like streaming services. Well, Netflix as well, now yeah. and that. And they're all like the 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 follow throughs of the HBOs and the effects of the world. I mean, HBO with the Sopranos was sort of the, the big one. And they had like Six Feet Under, True Blood. So much blood in True Blood. Do they even have ratings on Netflix? No, they don't. Yeah. Uh, no, they don't. Well, they they can. Well, they pop stuff. them up, yeah. but uh, because it's like subscription, because you're choosing to opt into it as opposed to it is mandatorily broadcast onto your TV, mm. they don't have to abide Excellent. by those kind of ratings because as long as you're choosing into it, it's it's a voluntary. And thing. there is like kids options as well. As in, like yeah. you can put like a kids. There's account kids up. YouTube now. Although <laughs> that was have you heard the stories about the weird things people are hijacking yeah. that for like. Fucked up shit. It's kind of crazy. Aren't people great? Uh, uh, mm. For for me, the first time I kind of saw anything I would consider violent, I've talked about it on the podcast, I had a very sheltered childhood. I didn't really see much of anything other than like family comedies until I was like 15. Uh, and I was introduced to like the PG violence of like The Mummy or The Rock with Nicolas Cage, which technically at the time was rated R, but it's been downgraded like twice since. Uh, but the first like ultra violent thing I saw was Kill Bill. I'd heard so much about it and I finally sat down and I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. Oh, you had a better fun one than violence. me. Uh, what was? It? What did you? The first proper violent film I saw was Piranha 3D. <laughs> Wait, uh, Piranha Three? The the remake one? No, Piranha the, Three. That was the be. first proper violent film you saw. Like yeah. you hadn't seen. That wasn't that long ago. I don't know. It was always. It, it was in high school. Chooses not to watch. Bad it was in movies. high school. Whatever it was, because it's an R-rated film or an MA-rated film. MA. I think. But it was in high school because so I saw it with my school friends. But I just, yeah, not the kinds of films I would go and see. And then I was like, oh, my goodness. You didn't watch horror movies or anything? Not particularly. Oh, okay. I, despite recommending Crypt TV, I am not a fan of horror films. <gasps> How can you dismiss a whole genre? Very easily. Oh. Just like with one, one finger snap and it is just, <laughs> you can just pretend I mean, you're not that's there. a superpower, right? Just, the, <laughs> just ignoring dismissal. information. <laughs> okay. What about you, Zane? What was your sort of- I honestly thing? can't remember. Like I did not have a very sheltered upbringing. I could pretty much watch and read whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. So I remember like- Late night SBS. There was <laughs> <coughs> sexy things, but there was also quite violent things. But also, something like like American Psycho. I feel like because a lot of people I know that was sort of their first. Oh shit! Because that's like a hard R, and he's like chainsawing up women. I mean, and everything well, like that. It was high school when I started actually seeking out movies to watch, uh, rather than just passively consuming whatever was on mm. television yeah. or around. So. I don't ever, I never went through that phase where I would seek out violent movies, but because I've always avoided action movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then horror movies, again, don't really make me scared. So I don't have a very visceral reaction to violence and gore. Uh, but the one that sticks with me the most is American History X. Yeah, that curb stomp scene. I have been told. I actually haven't watched this yet, but it is because it is so impactful, character-wise and story-wise. Like I think that was the first. That's the first kind of moment that I can remember going, "Oh wow!" 
So this mm. this violence is uh, like such an integral part of the movie, whereas in pretty much every other movie that I've seen after that point, it was either just kind of like set dressing or like look how gross we can make this yeah. sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, that scene makes me so sick that you just mentioning it right now. I had yeah. to look away from you because I was like, <laughs> nope, not today, sir. I'm so angry with myself because I only just saw, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I only saw Black Klansman mm. and that like other than Inside Man, that's the only, that's like really my first exposure to Spike Lee and I was like blown away by it. I'm like fucking kicking myself. I haven't watched his stuff because it's really powerful. He's shit. a controversial person yeah. himself. Yeah. So um but he is, that doesn't mean that he hasn't done good stuff. Like so many controversial people. <laughs> um, a nice stepping stone into the curb stomp scene. If you've probably seen it, you watched Daredevil season one. Yes. Yeah. Fisk crushing the man's head in the car and you see the bits of brain drop out. We will oh, definitely yeah. hear about that later. Yeah. So oh, yes. um, <laughs> like that's a nice, like comparatively to the curb stomp scene, that is play school, but it's yeah. a nice stepping stone for Okay, how do you feel about that? Okay, now you can now you can evolve your Pokemon up to the next level and try <laughs> and try again. Yeah, yeah. So, what is the purpose of violence in movies and TV? Do we think? Well, I think there's two purposes. One purpose is for people who want that release of having see of seeing violence and going like either cringing but going like okay, I've had that experience now, so I don't have to stress about it or like. The, the other kind of people that are like, yes, yeah, blood and guts. But then there is the American History X version where it is the story is about violence and what it is yeah. and what it does. It, it kind of splits into two things. You've got the stylized violence, violence versus the brutal slash realistic violence. And the brutal one is used to shock and jolt and traumatize the audience. Mm. And in a, in a good kind of a movie, it's traumatizes them alongside the character. Yeah. Or, or reveal something about, or the narrative, it traumatizes the narrative. You can, you have like a really pleasant movie that then gets like, I'm trying to think, there's a, there's an example, I just couldn't remember it. It's like there's some like happy go lucky movie and then it just goes ultra violent about like halfway through. I mean, my movie does that at yeah. one point. It's like, I mean, it's nasty and stuff, but it doesn't get violent until an hour into the 90 minute running time. Uh, or can you be used to place them in a setting? So Saving Private Ryan is sort of a really good yes, example of yeah. this like that that the normandy Throw you land, in the deep end. yeah yeah and really puts you in the space of where the characters are um it removes the safety net of nicer films so in horror like you you the second someone starts dying from violence in horror you're like okay no one's safe now it it, it, it starts like a ticking clock almost for the story well it it ups the stakes yeah. violence really is what stakes when we talk about upping the stakes in films, violence is what that is. Yeah. The chan- the the chance of damage. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, true. Because yeah. it's either emotional violence or it's physical violence. Yeah. Oh, my God, it is too. Sorry. <laughs> Revelation. I mean, I'm, I'm mostly speaking about physical violence. Yeah. Um, oh no! But I realize that like violence is the th- is upping the stakes is a violence. Yeah, it's yeah absolutely. Some kind of is, is disruption to safety, I guess, of one kind or another. Um, with the stylized violence, it's kind of like a, a flourish almost because Tarantino is known for really stylized. Yeah. He's also done some really brutal stuff. Oh yeah, like 
he is known for showing the difference between the two. Yeah, 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 yeah. and articulating that. Um, it's almost like a painterly thing in those kind of movies. Like we were talking about Suspiri. It's almost a painterly thing. They have this like it's literally paint red blood pooling out everywhere. There's usually usually more than is biologically possible <laughs> used for these kind of over stylized thing. And it's, and it's used to the opposite effect of brutal violence is used to remove it from reality. Yeah. Like in Kill Bill, like, you know, when she severs the guy's head and it's this fountain or even of blood. Django Unchained. Yeah. Like that just, just when the room explodes <laughs> in blood. <laughs> yes. I did have it for like, yeah. 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 Bring comes release intention, but specifically targeting on humor. Not to continue on the Carantino train, but I had Marvin being shot in the head in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because it's it's literally used as a punchline in that case yeah, to be like yeah, a hilarious yeah. scene, which you wouldn't normally associate with someone getting shot in the head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim director. Uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright does that all in like, at least in his Canetto trilogy. I also swerve in the audience. Uh, I thought back to Game of Thrones TV show. Yeah. They were often, well, at least when they first started off when it wasn't like the trope of that show at that time. They would like, yep, cool. Sean Bean's dead, sort of thing. Yeah, like they would just drop this on you, and it's like, oh, good god, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And it fits, and it, it, it that kind of we talk about stakes is because a lot of fantasies like magic and wizards, and no one ever really seems to die. And Game of Thrones, I think, why it's grabbed the public yeah. consciousness is because it gives stakes to a world pretty immediately. Even the thing that sticks out to me is like episode one. It's when or episode two when the Dothraki at the wedding and they pull the guys throat out and out comes the tongue and everything yeah, else yeah. through his throat. And I was like, I remember watching that going like, Jesus Christ. And you got the red wedding, which is, I mean, well, that's, iconic. that's HBO. Like yeah, they, yeah. they've, they've been at this probably longer than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, yeah. Effective use of violence. Yeah. Yeah. So what, 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 what constitutes a bad, Oh, sorry. Would you oh, I did just one yeah, yeah, final yeah. one and it was weird um, to add to films law. And that was going to bring me right back into like slasher territory where we have like almost these old style biblical parables about characters committing sins, characters being punished and their deaths come through that method. Yeah. So like easy one, two campers having sex. So Jason puts a harpoon through both of them together. Yeah. And it was literally just to add to the law of a character going around punishing for sins. So yeah. it could- There's a very to- Catholic, because yeah. Catholic, like Catholic religion is quite a violent religion and Catholic art, like- because I'm writing a horror movie at the moment that's dealing with a lot of religious themes and stuff like that. And I've been going to like Caravaggio paintings a lot because they're just, it's this kind of like stark violence that really feeds in that. You see that in like The Exorcist. You see that like even my movie has like a, uh, my feature film, Red Curtain Hell, now available on Vimeo on demand. This chance does not going to do it <laughs> this Chance is not going to do it this time. <laughs> um, it, uh, the violence, it, like people die for having done bad things to other mm. characters in sort of this pseudo moralistic sense. Well, that's, that's not only Catholic things like that's, that's all the way back to fairy tales and, and yeah. fables. Like you, which was you are shockingly punished. violent. You slight <laughs> yeah. the gypsy. You are now a beast in a castle. But then yeah. there, are, there's also the other kind of tale, which is even further back, which is just like, bad things exist and you don't have to do something bad for them to happen to you. Yeah. It's kind of a warning of like the, this is the world that you're living in. Mm. Uh, And we very rarely get that tale now where it's just. Uh, One example is no country for old men. Yeah. That's really, the Coen brothers are really great for that when they want to kind of go there. But like the, the go-to is especially with the horror movies, 
either the good guy overcoming the evil or the one worthy person surviving yeah. the, the attack. Yeah, which yeah, that can get tiring. <laughs> yes, really. it, it can because it, it's definitely a formula. And then it becomes more about like just what horrific things can happen to everyone surrounding them, mm. like Evil Dead, the remake. Is like that is gory. Yeah, I've heard. I haven't watched yet. It's on my list because people keep breaking. They're saying it's actually pretty good, and I it's like not terrible. I love Fetty Alvarez's um, uh, "Don't Breathe." Mm. I really love that one. Also, actually, an interesting movie that comments on violence is uh, "Cabin in the Woods." Yes, yep. in the way it's like this is like our our uh, sacrifice yeah. to to as entertainment almost. It kind of is a really good comment. Yeah, where we're entertaining the 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 old gods. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. AKA the audience. Uh, so, what constitutes a bad use of violence? Doing this is okay. This is a very. I don't think there's a right answer here, right? Mm. Like, can we agree? Because I, for me, I hate violence that doesn't serve the plot. If no character is furthered by it, if it's just on screen because. The director thought, "Fuck it, you know, let's let's throw an action scene every fifteen minutes." And yeah, something. and I've got it there. Cause it's like it's it's kind of, and this goes to a wider filmmaking thing and my sort of ideas on it. But it's when when it's there to try and prove something rather than say something, mm. and that's like there's a very distinct difference between the two. When it's someone going, "Hey, look at me, look what I can do," Michael well, Bay doing an hour long fight scene between Transformers, like yeah, for example, well, like you don't uh, need that on the opposite end of that scale, but also the exact same. I think that is why the Revenant was so controversial is like was what he put his film crew and actors through for that film worth what he got on screen and was what he got on screen necessary for what he put his actors <laughs> and through. I feel like not but everyone else I talk to loves that movie I, I tend to agree with you like oh good I think you could definitely achieve the same effects without having to film in Alaska for yeah however long yeah and and the whole like oh he did it for real he ate an ox's heart I'm like but like what but part why? of that it, <laughs> but what does it achieve other than yeah. The press release about how you did that—that'll help you get Oscar love. Yeah, like it's not about. It should be about the the start, like the credits. The studio credit fades down. Movie opens up to the credits rolling. That's the real estate that matters, mm. and everything else is irrelevant. The incredible and, thing about yeah. acting is that it's not real, but you're making yeah. it seem real. Yeah, like for it's me, like it's did, less did, of did Anthony <laughs> Hopkins go cannibal for a couple of yeah. months? It's actually you less know? impressive if he did. Yeah, because now yeah, he's yeah. not acting. Because, well, because <laughs> that's the thing. I'm like, I'm like, you can, if you chuck anyone out in the Alaskan wilderness, they're gonna be pretty fucking cold. <laughs> like, it takes skill to actually act cold when you're not. It's like who was impressed by Jared Leto committing sex crimes on Suicide Squad? Like, oh, I'm or committing sex crimes just in general, <laughs> sleeping with underage girls. Well, allegedly, right? Do we have to say the word allegedly talking. here? No, absolutely not. He's a sex <laughs> criminal and should be arrested. I'm um, saying allegedly just to save myself here. <laughs> uh, so I think what we said with violence is either style or content. So it's it's either serving the plot or it's there to serve the movie. And I think bad violence is when it doesn't serve the plot and it's done poorly. Yeah. Like like even like when dialogue happens, when action happens and you can feel the beat before it starts where the movie is preparing for something to happen. Mm. I think when it doesn't change the stakes, violence should either this if, violence is your tool to make things scarier or more real for the audience yeah. who's putting themselves yeah. in this situation. And that's why like House of the House that Jack built, I mean the violence escalates, but it never like by the time he's cutting off a woman's breast, yeah. you're not 
sh- you're not uh, like you're not uh, surprised by it because he's just he put a carjack into Uma Thurman's face. Yeah, you know, and you're just like, okay, whatever. So I will say, like, a very interesting use of violence that I would say this is good violence in that it points out this exact phenomenon in other movies where it is bad is uh what is that uh bill and ted not bill and ted john wick no No, it's where they're in the cabin and they've got a cabin and then these teenagers show up uh, chuck and dale versus chuck and dale versus evil is where the have you seen this chuck and dale yeah sorry i thought you're going with the strangers no no no, sorry yeah where it's incredibly violent but the violence is self-inflicted well circumstantial yeah it's viewing it is circumstantial and it doesn't like raise the stakes for the people getting hurt, it's for the people who are watching the people getting yeah, hurt. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's that's really true, yeah. it's that's using really style as plot. Yeah. Uh, so I think that is so it points out with the use of violence that doesn't serve anything mm-hmm. in those kind of slasher films where someone gets thrown into a a mulcher for no particular reason, like Deadpool. Like yeah. uh, Deadpool does the same thing with all the when he gets his team. Deadpool two. Uh, sorry, when he gets his team together and they all. Die yeah. parachuting in. Question: Have you seen the movie Two Thirty Seven, the Australian yes. movie? Yes. Did you find the violent moment in that? Mo- have you seen this movie? I'm trying to remember. I don't think I have. It's a, it's a high school, and it's basically kind of like Elephant, the yeah. Gus Van Sant movie. It's just like you see a bunch of people's stories. Someone's killed themselves, and you don't know who. And then at the end, it's revealed to be this person who was kind of in the background of everyone else's story. And it's like you don't know what people are really going. It plays like an ad. This feels like terribly a preachy. It, it, is. it is. It's an Australian movie. So. Also, yeah, very um, And at the end of the movie, but at the end of the movie, they just hardcore have the camera rolling on a woman running scissors through her wrist. Mm. And I found it gratuitous without saying something because the point had been made before the violence. Mm. The violence yeah. didn't make the point. I, th- I think, again, yeah, that violence there didn't serve any purpose mm. because, yeah, like you said, the point had been made. That's yeah. just to have that shot in this movie to to cause the controversy because without that the movie would have just been like people talking about how well, I think you know, there's issues. there was definitely places in that film for that moment yeah moment but maybe during the second act or at I, the beginning I would of have the third. opened on it and Even then so, played the yeah. rest of the movie you know um I also find like a lot of indie filmmakers I've met who like I met this one guy who like referred to himself as like the bad the literally his self given title was the bad boy of indie film and it's like these people who just watch like old boy and thought the best thing about old boy was how violent it was and so they're just trying to mimic that yeah over and over again and it's not like you're not doing anything and that doesn't make your films bad because it doesn't matter how violent you are someone's you know Gus uh, Lars Montreux is cutting off a woman's tit yeah you know you can never and then Salo 120 days of Sodom goes even further and and all of these kind of things so uh, or flight or fight club they're the kind of people who watch Fight Club and think it's about like gay yeah. masculinity <laughs> when it's the total yeah, no, opposite. Yeah it's, yeah, it's about how pit men aren't masculine enough. Yeah, my, no, masculinity isn't toxic enough. My, <laughs> of course, my least favorite um, form of violence though is for me random violence that doesn't serve to set you in a put a world where yes things can just randomly happen. It's not there to give you an overwhelming sense of dread. It just sort of happened because they needed a beat to happen and it means nothing for the rest of the film. And it doesn't doesn't say anything. Yeah, so the yeah. example I always pull to, and it's going to be a bit more mainstream, but it's going to be X-Men Apocalypse because there's a scene where Havoc- I Don't even remember that. Scott Summers' brother, it's, it's they do it in the Quicksilver slow motion scene, yeah? He's standing there, 
He does his like laser thing and there's a big explosion. It turns out he was engulfed in the explosion, but the entire time we are treated to like a three minute slow motion, Quicksilver saves the entire yeah, school scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Havoc is standing in the middle of the explosion, just being absolutely destroyed. We don't, that literally it's like, where's Havoc? And Quicksilver's like, oh, I saved everyone. We're like, oh no, because he's not there. <laughs> and that is it. And it's not even just to be like, Wow, that apocalypse sure is a killer because no, Havoc accidentally killed himself by blowing something yeah. up. Like, and it does nothing. And like, there's Although, half a scene. Knowing X Men, Havoc will be back. <laughs> I hope so. He always is. Time travel. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and even his brother's like, oh, I gotta get apocalypse for my brother. That, what I just said was as convincing as what he said and about as long as what he said because mm. that's it for the entire film. So it didn't even do anything to push his character forward because they yeah. didn't even have like a personal thing going on. So it was just someone died violently because. Yeah. And that kills yeah. me. Like, um, uh, or just like, like random death to, it's like everyone watched Game of Thrones. They think that's what makes Game of Thrones good is the sudden death of characters. So they're just suddenly like Walking Dead was notorious for just who are we killing this week? And like, at that point, do you care about any of the characters if you know they're going to die next week? Mm. You know, um, and we've kind of already touched on it. Like what constitutes the good use of violence? Like the opposite of that <laughs> really yeah, yeah. It's when it, when it, uh, it, when it works. Although I do say like, you can have random acts of violence that work. I don't love the movie, but there's a movie called Foxcatcher. Yep. Uh, with Steve Carell and, and it's, it's Tatum as well. Is it? Sorry? Is it Steve Carell and Channing Tatum? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And there's the, it's interminably long. It's it's way too long. But it's basically really slow and then at the end becomes suddenly really violent. And it's it's used as a way to break the pattern that they've set up, I guess. Where So that's where sort of the randomness can kind of happen. Uh, what have I got here? Like uh, pulls you in if it pulls you into a moment. Are we good now, are we? Yeah, good yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. Um, motivated by character. So even if it's random but that character was – had to do that because otherwise if them not being violent would be going against the character and sort of this, the opposite where you're sanitizing it against the the narrative. Um, and I don't think there's the, always the question of whether you glorify violence or not. And I don't think good violence doesn't glorify it. It can, you can have it stylized and over the top, yeah. like Tarantino, I don't think Tarantino ever glorifies violence because violence, the Tarantino mm. frames violence as being necessary, necessary, Necess but yeah. not good. Uh, specifically with Kill Bill, which is arguably his most violent two See, movies. See, I would say his most violent film, in a real sense, is Pulp Fiction. Oh, I was going to say Reservoir Dogs. I was going to say Glorious Bastards. Well, we've got ourselves a three-way <laughs> dance here, boys. Well, oh, say because Pulp Fiction, most of the violence is not stylized at all. It is like this is happening to real people and violence has real consequences that you have to deal with. Yeah. Um. Like they, the whole gimp scene, like that is, Ugh. it's not stylized and like it, you do have your moral tale there. Where Reservoir Dogs, it is stylized. Oh, really? Okay. There's a lot of blood, but it's mostly. I just remember when they cut to him in the car and he's screaming the blood's everywhere and you're like, oh, fuck, this is not a movie. Would, like it's that's the kind of the moment where you realise the movie is not going to be quite what you thought but it was. then you have. You, then you have the uh, the ear. But see, I never with found the that soundtrack. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely the reality there, but I think he's definitely got more and more stylized, and mm. he's more commenting on violence rather mm. than using or glorifying. And then, violence. and then even with Kill Bill, like it starts Revenge is a dish, best served cold, and. And the whole idea, you know, her crying at the end after all the shit she's done, like it frames the yeah. violence. You said it frames the violence as a, as 
a necessary but something with consequences. And you have the crazy 88 scene, which is hyper violent, blood everywhere, limbs flying, and then the fight with Oren, which is almost bloodless and quiet and, and silent. Yeah. And I think that he's got more and more stylized with his violence, even when we get to Django and it is hyper violent. Yeah. But also hyper stylized. Yeah. Then he dips back into Inglorious Bastards where it's quite real because he has real Nazis to punish. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the epitome of evil. You, they need to be punished. And and it's like, it, where do you see, like, because the Hateful Eight, I also found really brutal towards the end. Um, but I don't know where that one sits as far as realistic versus stylized. A, a hateful Eight for me is all style. Okay. Like it is, it, it is him, his homage to the, the uh, bottle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you put P or the cabin fever movie, you put people in a space they're going to. They're going to yeah. get on each other. <laughs> like I did. <laughs> uh, so can the envelope of violence be pushed any further? You said you had notes on this, Seb. I have several notes on everything. <laughs> um, to not read everything that I have, pretty much I targeted, we're recording this in October. Yeah, I've been targeting horror films as kind of my little example to follow it through. So we've talked about Suspiria. Yeah. And, you know, how like that was crazy violent. We have a lady that gets stabbed in the chest so many times. She gets a hole in her chest and then gets stabbed in her beating heart, thrown through a skylight <laughs> and hung from the ceiling. Like it's a ridiculous opening kill. And people sometimes credit that to like kind of the starting concept of like the slasher film that we went on to yeah. have even a year later, like they start like the golden era. With Halloween. Yeah, Halloween, yeah. Texas. Um, I got other ones written down, but I want to make eye contact, so I'm not going to do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. So we get that and it moves, while it stays gory, it does drop off from like what Suspiria did and it does move more into the idea of like them building up suspense and going for like that lone killer and trying to still have the on-screen murders happen, but they're not going to do what Suspiria did. No, no. But then we um, we duck out from that a little bit and we enter like in the modern era, we get into like that sort of torture porn sort of section. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like Suspiria shocked everyone. Then we had all like the, the slashes come through to kind of resettle everyone. And then we had Saw and we had Hostel and all these horrible, extra violent, gory. Although it's amazing that. how not violent Saw 1 actually is. Exactly, yes. When you watch it, like, because especially if you have the reputation, you go, oh, Saw is just going to be ultra violent. What you think Saw 1 is is what Saw 3 is. And Saw 2 is sort of. The cusp of those, yeah. two, like the needle pit scene, which just. Uh. But how long did like films like Hostel last? I know Saw yeah. became a full franchise. Hostel had one or two, Hostel sorry, two had or three, a couple, yeah, yeah, two or three. But then they ducked off again, and it was a flash in the pan. Yeah, and then we've kind of like now we're going through a bit of a resurgence with having our slasher um, characters come back. We had the yeah. remake of Friday the Thirteenth, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. We just had the sequel of Halloween. Halloween, come out. yeah, yeah. Suspiria, and the remake just, is yep. coming out. And just by watching it, it feels like we've gone ultra violent, conservative, ultra violent, conservative. Yeah. So when it comes to like pushing it further, yes, but I think it has to happen in segments because it's like when you talk about with The Walking Dead, like who's going to die this week. I don't care because someone has died every week for the past 10 yeah. episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you give me a good 20 episode stint without a death and then someone dies, you've, you've made yeah. me feel secure. And, and then now you I, care about yeah. it. It's, yeah, yeah. And I think you can always have like 
unique new clever combinations of kills like someone pulling out a jaw and shoving it somewhere where a jaw shouldn't go or you know like the actual like mechanics of an individual murder or a gory moment can always be unique but i think this sort of i mean at one point or another you've hit a ceiling like you know when you've got Lars von Trier cutting a, a, a bit of all the genital mutilation in in uh what's name the uh, Antichrist, there's mm. there's sort of a ceiling because there's only so many ways to well, skin a cat, so I think to speak. Violence is a spectrum. Like you have movies that are so non-violent, like I don't know, what 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 would be like uh, all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> That's a good pull, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have hyper-violent movies like I'm gonna say Django Unchained or Evil Dead remake. There you go. Yep. And I think to push the envelope any further, you have to go from one extreme to the other in the same movie in oh, a justified yeah. fashion. Yeah, like like they tried to do and failed miserably, not so much in the violence but in terms of the content, something like Sausage Party, yes. which tried that yeah. idea of something very childish going to something really extreme in the same. Okay, that's really interesting yeah. actually. Yeah, that's I think true. And, and not having it feel out of place because as soon as it feels unjustified, then it's not pushing the envelope. It's mm. just you're you're just dipping back into that gratuitous violence of yeah. 80s slasher films. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. But even it's looking at like so right now we're kind of in this period in horror where we've got like those insidious films, The Conjuring, every spin-off of that thing, and we've really for the horror genre for the most part it's ducked into this really non-violent sector yeah. because they're focusing on things like suspense and just genuine and tension terror. and mood, yeah. which I actually really appreciate. Oh, like, I do too. So much. Absolutely. But it feels to me like give it five years and we're going to then have our next hostel yeah. or something. Yeah, and yeah, it's going to yeah. jump back to ultra violence, but yeah, it just has to happen here and there. It can't happen all the time because then we adjust and it doesn't feel like it's violent anymore. It's just yep. a thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like Game of Thrones, I don't think can get any more violent because yep. they have, they they've, hit they've, uh, they've gone as far as they can because yep. that red, the red wedding where you're literally stabbing a pregnant woman in the stomach several times. That's the peak of, yeah. of Game yep. of Thrones violence. Well, even when I looked at the question of pushing it further, I was like, okay, let's think. How many how many ways can you kill a person? How many ways have I seen someone be killed on screen in ridiculous ways? And I mean, in theory, it's unlimited. You know, yeah. you, you stab them in the heart and you could make that a kidney shot instead sort of thing. Like there's always a different way to stab someone or skins or whatever. So it's in theory unlimited, but it's also, it hits a point where it is all the same because people are just people. Yeah. And it does feel like there is a limit, which is why I think the palette reset is so important there. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that seems like a good good place to end it. We're going to go on to our top five now. Um, I'll go first because i got a several, but I'll work for them really Do you quick. just go, you smack out your entire I'll try and store. smack them out really fast now. Um, so, my honorable mentions, I got in the shape of water when the guy is shot in the face and dragged by the, the bullet hole in his cheek. That really fucked me up mm-hmm. something. And I wasn't <laughs> expecting that mm. in the movie, but it was also really powerful and so in character. Uh, Taxi Driver, the final shootout. That's yeah. sort of a really iconic one. A lot of people talk about that. And I only saw that for the first time last year. Very powerful stuff. Uh, all of No Country for Old Men, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's just everything there. I mean, uh, a, my honorable mentions are pretty much just movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Apostle has this ultra-violent, I sort of described to you, the, the guy stabs someone in the chest and then the two people pull the, it's not even a man, it's like a creature kind of a thing, and they pull him by the arm so the knife goes right down and opens up his chest cavity. Like he's pulled, oh, yeah. like the knife stays still and they move the person through the knife. And that was like 
in, and but it was a really brutal sort of peak part of. Did the you emotion. find as well that most like when you were going through thinking of violence, you just kept thinking gore? Yeah, as yeah, opposed because yeah. it was been so easy to throw Die Hard in, for example, because yeah. it's a very violent film. But my mind always just went to blood gore. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. specifically avoided gore on my top five. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, my number five is The Bride versus the Crazy Eighty Eight. <laughs> I mean, you have her plucking out an eye and all that yeah. kind of shit. Uh, she's on my list. She's yeah. my number two. Yeah. Uh, number four, uh, there's a movie Green Room. Uh, mm. Specifically, there's a scene where a guy gets his stomach opened with a Stanley knife and it is so brutal. But it, like that movie, if you want like violence that's so justified because it's so un uh, unceremonious, it's unadorned, it's unstylized, it's brutal and it's there for a reason, like anything by Jeremy Sonnier, but Green Room, which is on Netflix, it's really, really good. And it's also got Patrick Stewart as a Nazi. And oh, is that that movie? Is that's, it? Yeah. Oh, it's okay. terrifying. It's brilliant. Uh, Hereditary, the car scene. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I haven't seen the no, movie. No, no, so no. I'm just going to close my I'll just ears. Call it, please. It's just call it the car scene because okay. I, I don't want to spoil it. But The that- reason I didn't put this on my list is because my definition of violence is one person acting against okay, another. Okay, yeah. And I because this wasn't yeah. necessarily on purpose, yeah. I, I think it doesn't Fair qualify enough. as Although violence. Although it was foreshadowed. It is, <laughs> and, it's, and it's super violent. It's such a, like, I, I, I haven't been that traumatised by a moment in a movie like yeah. ever. It's really... It threw me, but it was so well done. Um, uh, number two is the Omaha Beach landing from Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's you know, literally my number two. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good the, pick. When, when the guy takes the helmet off and he's like, because the bullet hits and he's like, oh, he takes the helmet off and then and then he just dies like mm. in front of it. It's such a powerful scene. Um, Guys trying to pull organs back into their bodies. Yeah. Like, it's oh, horrendous. Oh, God. Fantastically shot, yeah, though. My God. Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that he didn't storyboard any of that? He just made it up as he went. He just did it. He shot it all chronologically and Spielberg was just making up He's as he goes. such a good boy sometimes. Right? Um, number two and a half, because it's technically died, the whole of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That is brutal violence at its most profound and shocking and poignant. I forgot that you're a fanboy of that one. I had only seen it for the first time, like last number year. Number two is pretty funny. Uh, for, for me. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Number no, 1974. No, number two, as in like the second one is my a really funny. Oh, movie. I haven't seen it. But apparently it does over the top. It goes from brutal violence and number two is like hyper stylized, but I haven't the seen it. The first kills? Very funny. <laughs> okay. And my number one is the bottle scene from Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Uh, that shocking and brutal and... Talk me through it because I'm blanking out here. It's it's when the guy catches the guy with the rabbit and then he's like, he thinks he's like spying or something. He takes the bottle and he smashes the guy's nose in with the bottle of mm. wine yep. and and the guy dies and then he like has the sun shot and it's such, it's the first sort of hard, brutal moment. You could also point out like where she cuts his cheek open and he's sewing yeah. it back together. Yeah. There's a, or, or even when Ophelia is shot at the end slash the beginning because you see it at the beginning. Yeah. Like all of that is such – the violence in Del Toro's stuff is so powerful because he grew up in Mexico. He saw violent shit growing up and it, it travels all through his work. Anyway, that's my top five. Seb, what's yours? Two honourable mentions, two and a half honourable mentions. The first Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first death where Tina is thrown up into the ceiling oh, and just yeah. knife blades yeah. pour through it. Scared the fucking shit out of me first time I've seen it. It's probably one of the reasons I'm- It holds up. Yeah. It still holds up. And only because it's really funny. In the same film, um, Glenn's death, Johnny Depp, getting sucked into the bed and the geyser the, the of blood. Geyser of blood. Do you know how they did that? Yeah, I do, but if yeah. you want to- Oh, no, no they, they, they had the broom upside down, so then they just poured the blood- 
like down essentially and it pulls at the roof, but oh, it's so good. But so, such iconic things. And also Johnny Depp dies on screen. So big, yes. old, big old thumbs up there. Brilliant. Did you hear actually side, total sidebar, he's being kicked off Pirates the Caribbean yeah. and they're rebooting it. Oh, good. Right? Why? Just a little, yeah. hey, maybe they'll star Jared Leto. It's like gonna keep to a certain type. It's Disney. <laughs> it's yeah. not DC. Just saying. Look, um, they'll be the same eventually. <laughs> Disney will buy them. My up. last honorable mention is in the Warriors, it's the Baseball Furies chase and fight scene. They rock up out of the subway. The Baseball Furies are standing there in their makeup. And it, these boys have had such a shitty night so far. And they just see these guys with these bats and they're like, nope. And they start <laughs> running. And it's just this little showdown in the park that's nicely lit by just literally the lights in the park because they filmed it on, on, um, on location. And it's just, it's, None of the action of that movie Chance is great. Chance would love you for that reference. I'm pretty sure he loves the Warriors. Oh, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> but it's just a great scene. It's one of the better fight scenes for that film. And it's just, I don't know, a bit more exciting than the rest had been. Okay, number five. Opening of X-Men Days of Future Past. The Sentinels have rocked up and they are killing yeah, all of the X-Men. Yeah. You could also say the That scene was scene, really good. It was. It's such a fantastic, it's one of my favorite openers to films because it just grabs you. And it's a nice way of showing violence without showing too much because every time we see an X-Men get decapitated, this or that, it's like Iceman, but he's in ice form or Sunspot yeah. and he's like a lava man or yeah, Colossus yeah. Made of Metal. Like they're playing around like everyone will be horribly murdered when they look slightly less human, but it is still <laughs> yeah. so hard hitting yeah. and it sets the tone so well. Like this is why this movie is so important. This is why it's so urgent. These are the stakes. And for me, it's such a great use of purposeful violence. Yeah. Um, number four. Scott Pilgrim versus the world, Matthew Patel rocking up, the very first evil X fight. Because once yeah. again, it sets the tone for the Matthew movie. Matthew Patel. Yeah. Blast through the through the ceiling. They had this weird Bollywood dance the most fight. Stylized fight ever. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's not hard hitting, but it says this is the film that you're in. Because up till now it's been a quirky little comedy, but this is really saying that you've got five more of these coming. Total on the opposite end of the spectrum. Have you seen the raid movies? Yes. Yeah. They're like the most <laughs> brutal fights. Um, number three, Boromir going down in the yeah. Fellowship of the Ring. I yeah. love a good sacrifice play. It was between him and Gandalf, but Gandalf, you know, he doesn't count. No. So, um, but Boromir, he comes back. <laughs> exactly. Him taking the crossbow bolts. He has to get the hobbits out of there and him knowing this is a losing battle, but he just keeps yeah. going. It's such a heroic moment and it's brutal. Like he gets pinned up against the tree and stuff and it's just, you know, the slow pullback of the crossbow, bam in the chest and again, bam in the chest. Like it was brutal and it plays well. Um, then I had Storm in the Beach for oh, Saint yes, Run. So two. we've done yeah, that. Yeah. And my favorite one is uh, Luca Brasi's murder in The Godfather. So he's the enforcer for oh, Don yeah. Corleone. Mm. Your he's, surname, of course you like The Godfather. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, it is a brutal death. He's, Which one's this one? So it's one of the, I think it might be the first one. If not, there might be one before. The one that dies at like the... He's in, in a diner. Car? He's oh, sent diner. effectively to make a deal to pretend that he wants to join this other guy's mafia, Al Capone's mob. So he goes there as a man who's meant to be defecting from Corleone's group. All is a ploy just to get in there, effectively. He, they have a meeting, they share, they have a cigar and stuff. And then the, the Capone's man stabs him in the hand to pin his hand down. Yeah. And the guy comes up with the garrote and chokes him to death. And it's firstly, it's fucking brutal because this guy is, is a big overweight Italian guy and he's choking and he's sweating and it looks nasty. But it's a great little thing. Like this is showing that everything's not going so well for Corleone's mob because he's actually his, his lead enforcer is just being killed in the middle of a restaurant sort of thing. So it plays so well into the story of saying 
things are not well and here is a great example of it yeah. and it's just really fun i mean yeah. i say fun in a i need to revisit those sense. movies Zane has chastised me for needing to revisit them and reassess them why well, i've only seen number one i need to watch one and two maybe three <laughs> you should watch all of them okay <laughs> i mean fun. even if you don't like them you should at least watch them yes. to know why you don't like them. yeah 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 uh, zane what are your top five okay so my honorable mentions just a list of movies because there's a lot of violent movies that are very good uh but they didn't make it to my top five yeah eastern promises I have not yet seen the that. The bathhouse fight scene is... Isn't that David crazy. Cronenberg who did that? Yeah. Which is, yeah, 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 okay. Uh, Django Unchained. Yeah. Of course. A Serbian film. You like that one? I think it is a well-made movie. God, I have not... I've heard about it and I really don't think I could sit through that. Uh, not well-made, but it needs to be on this list because of infamy is Salo. Yeah, uh, that is. I don't know how that got made. And have you heard why of this movie? Is Salo, no, the one hundred and twenty days of Sodom. It's like a bunch of aristocrats kidnap teenagers, torture and rape them, and the filmmaker actually got murdered mostly over this film. Yeah, because of it. It's so. It's one of the most considerably controversial movies okay. ever made. The Raid One and Two. Yes. Uh, old Boy. Yep. Which I still need to see. Uh, really great use of cathartic violence in that one because it's just revenge. Uh, Passion of the Christ. Uh, it he uses violence that actually matches the Bible as opposed to this sanitized correct Bible. Um, but I think God's not dead. I, too. <laughs> I think that it, I think it really that violence we were not ready for. I don't think we were ready for that in Passion of the Christ at that time and that's why it was not particularly well received. And I'm surprised it hasn't come up Bone Tomahawk. I own it. I have not watched it. I've been told amazing of this one scene that's apparently surprisingly gripping movie about this uh like a I western guess, horror. Yeah, so there is a sort of isolated Native American tribe that uh, ritualistically, like, remove their vocal cords and implant Whoa. some sort of, uh, like, bone thing into their throat so that they can't talk but they can, like, scream howl and they're cannibals and they take someone's wife and they have these. this group of the sheriff gets a group of people together. It's Jeff to Bridges, go. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I've been told amazing things about it. It is amazing. The violence is horrific yeah but very well done the this isn't spoiling anything but the the climactic violence is literally a man being held upside down and chopped in half with a bone tomahawk from groin to neck jesus christ yes i have definitely been told i own it i bought it because it was like on special i saw it and i just heard nothing but good things about it it is well look like it's brutal, but it's good. very brutal. No, it's only uh, new as well, or newish. Yeah. I, I for me, like it sounded like ago. yeah. I thought I just from you explaining it, it sounded like a film that I would have expected from like the nineteen eighties. It's got a hard <laughs> R rating here in Australia, which yeah. is quite hard to get. Mm. Okay, top five: Hannibal. There is a scene. Hannibal the, the Hannibal the TV show. Oh, okay, yep, yep. There is a scene where uh, the Roland Umber uh, wakes up and his his body has been sewn into like a human mural. Oh my god! And how and did they he, get away with that on network? And television? he has to basically rip his skin off to escape this 
thing. Holy crap. It is, this is the only one on my list where it's not specifically one person. You see one person acting against another, but it's imp- the, yeah. it's implied that someone has put him in this situation. Is this the one with like a bunch of dead people? Yes. Okay, I just found a picture of it and oh, it's quite cool. a fun one. It's like a big circle. Oh my God. It's just a bunch of naked people to be wow. fair. So I can see like Cody got away with it because it doesn't look, I mean, at least in the still image, it doesn't then, look crazy. Then it shows up. him having to rip himself out yeah. of it. Uh, misery, the hobbling scene. <laughs> oh yes fuck why wasn't that on my oh that's n- like this yeah. is something that once you see it, you'll never forget it yeah uh and it is so cold and calculated and like not evil not done in anger it's just kind of like i'm gonna Although, make- what year was misery do you know was it 80 like 88 because oh, there's, just check. there's a movie called the devils by ken russell uh from 1974 and there's a hobbling scene in that which is pretty bang on the same mm. thing but it was controversial banned for a lot of things and all that kind of stuff but yeah so you don't get any bad letters 1990 was misery <laughs> 1990 oh, okay right yes Fair enough. Uh, number three brought it up before the curb stomp from American History X yep. um, what this does for the movie is what violence should do for a movie yeah. um, it it is both a rock bottom for the main character but it's a rock bottom that he doesn't recognize until the third act of the movie yeah, um, or he doesn't address until the third act of the movie. Uh, it is amazing and horrible. Uh, number two is Crazy 88's Kill Bill. And uh, number one is, uh, the, Seb brought it up before, Daredevil season one, uh, Kingpin's Kill. Mm-hmm. Where this, and what this does what the uh, American History X curb stomp does in that it changes the tone of the entire season of the film yeah of of, of the tv show it I is quite like what happens with in episode 11 with the gun yes that's a moment yeah. of violence from a character who has not been involved in the violence until that quite point. right quite yeah. right but like this is this yeah, is yeah, the yeah, emergence right. of villain yeah at the moment he's just kind of been top of the crime network <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, just, he's just like a rich businessman you haven't you haven't recognized him as like a physical threat, but because he's been acting through like a lawyer and through just yeah, like manipulation yeah. and this is like brutal death. Well, he's not just there because other people prop him up. He's there for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And it's like violence for the sake of violence. You see how much of a violent person he is because it's not just to kill this person. It is to literally destroy them. Yeah. Because that and honestly I was totally out of the blue. Like, yeah, it's such a shame that show yeah. went weird on season two because I really love season one. I thought season one was pretty much. I haven't watched season three yet. I'm very interested I'm to see how it goes. I'm told it's a bit of a return to form to season I one. I am very happy that Luke Cage and Iron Fist have been cancelled. Oh, really? I was surprised um, Luke Cage. Are, I haven't seen season two, to be fair, but I was surprised. A lot of people were pissed about Luke Cage. I know no one really cared that Iron Fist went. <laughs> Look, didn't I believe Luke Cage got snapped? Snapped? Yeah, you know, the Thanos snap. Did he? I believe so. Oh, I haven't seen. Does that it. happen at the end of Luke Cage season two? He just disappears in the dust. I did not know that. No, 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 no. Off screen, I oh, believe. Then, I oh, right. Okay, I, right. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched it, but I believe that that's oh, okay. the explanation. Well, we all know they're going to get unsnapped anyway. Uh, but anyway, that's a really good place to end. Thank you guys for coming on this week. No thanks to Chancellor and Josh who are listening now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you terrible people. Uh, if you like this episode, yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes and that. We're on 
you want to talk with us, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Picturanges. And you can email us if you have angry letters you want to send about incorrect dates or something like that. I know I quoted The Exorcist as 1975 and it's like 1973. The kids you never monster. admit that you're wrong. Yeah. I'm just working up a different fact source than you. Ah, right, yeah. right. Uh, but you can, fi- you can email us at motionpicturerangers at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Shane M underscore Anderson and Letterboxd at... 224 frames, so 2 W E N T Y, the number four frames. Uh, that's my username at Letterboxd and socials. Anyone? Uh, at Zancy Weber on all of them. I'm very visible. And apparently, following <laughs> hacked by Russia at one point yes, as well. Yes, apparently. <laughs> yep. And uh, do you have any socials people can follow? Oh, I have all? personal ones. Don't contact me on them. But uh, you can find, <laughs> oh, find sent- Second Take. Yeah, second you can take. find me at yeah, Second Take Podcast. I think it's just Facebook com slash second take but if you just search it it's the film one it's not the espn sports related one that hasn't posted <laughs> for six months it's probably not me yeah and you can find that on our, on and other great amazing podcasts that's not canonproductions.com thank you all for coming and listening and we shall see you again next week bye bye, bye.